Welcome to Talk Your Shit Podcast. I'm your host, Diamond Ariel. And if you're Black, a person of color, or an ally, this podcast is for you. This platform gives Black entrepreneurs and creatives a space to be seen, heard, and understood, to have audacity, talk their shit, and look good while doing it. This isn't a place to be humble, rather to be yourself and take up every inch of space you deserve. So get ready because it's time for you to talk your shit. Hey y'all, welcome to my first podcast. (laughs) Season one, episode one, talk (laughs) your shit. I am Diamond, I am your host, I am a stylist and style coach and confidence coach, and I have my own brand called Diamond Ariel. I created this podcast to... uh, Encourage my black people and my people of color, entrepreneurs and creative individuals to talk their shit, to really own their talents, own who they are, and to take up the space, all the space that they deserve. I hope this podcast is an example and motivates you to never sell yourself short, to remember who you are, your talents, your skills, what you bring to the table, and that you are worthy. You do have value. You have hella value to offer, and no one can take that from you. And so we are here today with my best friend, my writer, Dai, my most creative. He is amazing (laughs) and hella queer. And we love love queer people. We love LGBTQ. But you will get to learn more about him, his background, where he is from, and what he does. So introduce yourself and tell us why you are on this podcast. Hello, my name is Mark. I just want to start with why I'm doing this podcast, and I'm doing this podcast because I just feel like we all deserve a seat at the table. And for those of us who have been in positions where we didn't have much access or there were just a lot of things that we were dealing with or going through and we did not really have anyone to advocate for us to make that space, I feel like this podcast is something where we are making space for ourselves. And that's just something that I want to be a part of and that's something that I have done for myself quite a lot where I didn't feel like there was space being made for me. I took initiative to make space for myself or to pull up a seat to have mm-hmm. the audacity to grab a chair and pull it to the table and be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be here. I'm going to sit down here mm-hmm. because I deserve to be here. And for me, this is just such a wonderful and amazing opportunity to be a part of something like Tokyo Shit where we are creating space. Mm-hmm. We're creating a table for ourselves and for other people like us to just have that audacity, to build that confidence and to know that they have the ability, they have the control And they also have what it takes to be in any room or any space that they deserve to be a part of. So there is no such thing as like, I was in this room that I didn't deserve to be. It's like, no, you did. You deserve to be in that room. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be having all of like the credentials or having all the accolades or, you know, whatever. It's like, it is possible for you to be able to just be a part of any kind Mm -hmm. of space and to be in any room to be part of any club, to be part of any initiative. So yeah, that's why I'm here. And it took me years, years to get to that point. Years to realize that I do deserve to be in this space. I deserve to make money. I deserve to Mm. be an entrepreneur. I deserve to just be who I am and Mm -hmm. be fucking amazing at it. And you're fucking amazing. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And you need people like this who reminds you. Mm-hmm. That you are fucking amazing. And if you surround yourself with people who are thinking small, who are consistently, constantly talking down on you, you're going to find yourself deep in the hole. You're going to find yourself thinking that you can't do it. And it is going to be coasting through your life 
unhappy. So mm-hmm. you have those negative people around you, you need to change that mm-hmm. energy because that plays a big part. Who your top five people that you hang around, the energy that you bring around, that really is going to define your success. And it's going to define whether or not you make it a baby. We don't mm-hmm. have time to not make it because mm-hmm. we don't have time. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. do you do, Mark? Yeah. Yes. What do you, please <laughs> tell the people what you do. He's dope. I would love to share. So I am the editor-in-chief and design director of Done the Magazine. Done is a social justice publication created for and by the underrepresented. And it came out of wanting to, again, create that space for myself because I wasn't seeing that space authentically being made for other people like me Mm -hmm. in corporate America or in other publishing empires. So I wasn't going to sit around and wait for a handout or wait for someone to actually like start giving a shit. Toni Morrison once said that if there is a book that you want to read but it hasn't been written yet, you need to be the one to write that book. Mm -hmm. And for me... Once I read that quote, I was like, bet, this is, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm also not going to sit here and say that that was something that was just so easy mm-hmm. to do. It wasn't. It was very uncomfortable. There was a lot of second guessing myself. There mm-hmm. was a lot of, is this something that people care about? Mm-hmm. And I had to honestly just take a step back and be like, well, is this something that matters to me? It really needed to start there. and. I came to the conclusion that, yes, this is something that really matters to me because I'm sick and tired of reading these articles or seeing imagery retouching that Mm -hmm. just honestly does not represent Mm -hmm. who I am, does not represent my community, does not represent other people such as myself who have been in this industry Mm -hmm. for a long time, the creative industry, any industry, health pharmaceuticals, engineering, it it doesn't matter. It's like, we've been on the scene. We've been here for so long, but Mm -hmm. we just were never provided the representation. We were not accepted. There was systemic, just a lot of systemic Mm -hmm. planning put in place that kept us outside Mm -hmm. of what was going on because, I mean, the system wasn't set up to include us. I mean, other than to be slaves. And our ancestors liberated us from that. And so today, I feel like I really have such an opportunity and even a a duty to continue to live in my truth, to be my full, wholehearted self. Because a long time ago, 150 years ago, I mean, in the 60s or in the 70s, it was extremely hard for Black people and for people of color to work their way up the Mm. social ladder. There were people who did it, but it was not easy. It took a lot for them to to do. And so it's like all of that was inspiration for me. And it's like history has always been a source of information for me. I'm Mm -hmm. someone who does find a lot of inspiration in things. However, there needs to be information in tandem with inspiration. Because if you're just inspired by something, then you're just looking at things from the surface level. You're yeah. just focused on the top of the iceberg. You know, yeah. it's like information is everything beneath mm-hmm. that iceberg. It's like inspiration leads to cultural appropriation, and we have enough of that. Mm, and period. Fashion, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. it's like we have enough of that. We mm-hmm. deal with enough of that, mm-hmm. you know, in every aspect of the creative industry and even outside of it in other practices. It's, it's wild. And that credit is not provided. So that's why I work undone. That's why it's something that is just so dear to me. 
It's something that I take very seriously. And I am working on the third issue. And I'm honestly just kind of letting it take its time to manifest mm-hmm. because I feel like what is a part of corporate publishing is that it's just so quick and so fast paced. And I found with that that it can lessen quality all around with writing, editing, retouching, just image making in general, mm-hmm. design as well as like, yes, there's like a lot of award winning great design and image making that's happening in those fast-paced environments. However, it's like, what quality of timelessness Mm -hmm. does it all really have, though? It doesn't really maintain that kind of a a quality. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm really passionate about the magazine. I've spent a lot of time talking about it just because (laughs) it's so dear. Yes, It's so dear to me, you know, and it's something that just really matters to me. And, I mean, aside from running done, I am also the digital art director. Yes, you are. D Magazine. That was a recent job that I had taken up in December of 2022. And it has been an amazing experience. Yes. Thus far, I've been learning so much. It's been fabulous. What I find really inspirational about Mark, one main (laughs) thing is that I love about him is that when he sees a need, he sees there, there is something empty. He sees a gap. He feels that gap. So done the magazine is fucking amazing, by the way. Go buy you a copy. I'll put the link in the comments or link in the description, whatever. <laughs> but what he does with this magazine is something that's magical that has never been done before. I see and you see what I did there? Did, did, did you there. catch it? If you didn't catch it, rewind it and then catch it. You know <laughs> but when he sees there is a gap or that there's not space at the table, he brings his own table. He pulls up his own chair and he makes space for himself, for other people to really thrive. I really love that about him. And I really think in order for people of color and black people to win, we need to create our own tables and bring other people along that table to really thrive. Because that's how we're going to make it. That's how we're going to kill this systematic racism and kill all the corporate America. We have to make space for each other in order for us to really be able to showcase our talents and our skills. One thousand percent. Amazing. So with that said, yes, I have a question for oh. you because I need y'all to know That's crazy. who she is. Me. Too. <laughs> I know that you know that this is her podcast, mm-hmm. but there is so much more to who Diamond is. And so, Diamond, my mm-hmm. question to you is, Me. why did you want to start this podcast? And just tell us like a little bit about like where you have come from like what your journey has been as a part of that so why i wanted to start a podcast because kind of like i mentioned my favorite thing about mark is that when he sees a gap sees a need he finds a way to fill it and so i saw in podcasts the need for black entrepreneurs and people of color and people who are in the the workforce to really have a space to talk explicitly about their talents about themselves, about who they are, to really be able to just develop a community and also really benefit them, you know, to help with their businesses and who they are and help, you know, elevate them. And I just really wanted to make a space for for other people. I pull inspiration from OG auntie, internet auntie, Rachel Rogers. I love her, love her. And I'm actually part of her club, but mm. I just love her mission to just help to make Black people, people of color, queer people, people who are uh, disadvantaged, who are marginalized, who are disabled, 
just help them make money because in order for us to succeed, in order for us to make a difference, we need money. We need community. Mm-hmm. And another person I pull inspiration from is Lovey, mm-hmm. Lovey Ajayi Jones, also internet auntie. And they mm-hmm. like did an episode together and I like died right there on the floor, mm-hmm. came back to life and died again because mm-hmm. it was so powerful. Energy. It was amazing. It was energy. And if y'all happen to listen to this and y'all know them, just, you know, send them my way. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? <laughs> but a little bit about my background, I grew up in Southern Illinois. Don't ask the city because it's not relevant and it, it won't matter. I mean, if you want to know the city, you can slide in my DMs. But um, <laughs> I grew up in Southern Illinois and it was very hard for me, honestly, being that my dad left when I was younger. is a very prominent white city and I just felt alone. I also grew up under the Bible Belt. And maybe... If you know about the Bible Belt, mm. you know how tight that belt can get, okay? <gasps> no breathing. <laughs> no breathing. You can't even watch Harry Potter because, you know, witches and Satan. You but best believe I did watch Harry Potter. Fully cinched. Fully cinched. Fully cinched. You know how snatched y'all waists be? <laughs> That's how snatched this belt was. Tired of the corset. Tired. Tighter. Than a corset. Tighter. Tighter. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I, I felt like I didn't have the space to be myself, and so I chose to be someone else. And I wasn't happy. I didn't know who I was, and I couldn't even figure out how to. I didn't have that space to figure out who I was. Love my mother. She's amazing. Love my mother. But I felt like she was too hard on me to the point where she suffocated me. And so I didn't, I didn't have the space to discover who I was. And so... As this weird, awkward-ass kid, I would wear weird outfits trying to figure out who I was and get judgment or whatever, but it's okay because I was like, I'm being myself. I refuse to wear this size zero Hollister shirt. But yeah, it was an interesting childhood and not having my dad around. That also, you know, sparked a lot of loneliness of why, you know, why doesn't anyone want me? Why do I feel like I don't belong? What is wrong with me? So I spent my childhood all awkward and just trying to figure out who I was, dealt with depression, got suicidal. Yeah, that was my kind of experience growing up. And then I went off to college and kind of started surrounding myself with people more and getting out of that depression, getting out of, you know, not feeling like I belong to understanding that I do belong. Met some great people, still connect with them today. Also met my man. But anyway, um, <laughs> curved him the first time. Well, that's another story. You might meet him in the future. I don't know. Okay, so, and then after I graduated college, I decided to move to Berlin, Berlin, Germany. Y'all, I I left the continent. Sometimes you need to leave Mm. where you're from in order to figure out who you are. Mm. And so I decided to leave, move to Berlin for two years. I met some great people. I really got to surround myself with my people. I surrounded myself with Nigerians, with Kenyans, and just made great connections and I really needed that to find out who I was and realize that I do need a community. I do need people who are always backing you up, who are always hyping you up, even when you don't feel like you deserve it. Mm. And developing those relationships really just pushed me into, all right, it's time for you to go full into yourself. What do you want to do? So I started styling. I started doing fashion styling. I started doing editorials and Mm doing photo shoots and launched my website, launched a brand. And when I tell you that the church people were screaming because maybe my first editorial was with a queer goddess. Okay. Mm. She, they, he, she likes all pronouns. So mm. if I switch, 
She folked. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was a great experience for me. Loved, loved them. They were just genuine. They were wild, just fabulous. And that was my first editorial. And that, my first editorial got published in a local magazine. And I was super proud of this moment, super Period. excited. And I posted it. Mm. When I tell you, the Catholics, the, oh. the Christians, the um, traditional, the Presbyterian. When I tell you they slid in my comments, my DMs, even a pastor wanted to uh, have a talk with me about it. I was just like, I don't know what you want me to do because didn't you say we're supposed to reach all people, but you don't want to be around these people? Mm. And so that, it was just like, you can say what you want. If you don't like it, you can just, you know, remove. Log out and subscribe. Log out. I even sent a long email to a customer, not a customer, whoop, child. Uh, a long, <laughs> long email to a couple that I had grew up with in, or that I had grown with in college because they just didn't think that I was allowed to really be vocal about the, you know, the black issue that's constantly the issue, but the mm. Black Lives Matter when Asians were had that time where they were, you know, getting a constant hate and mm. it was like all the hate crimes, they're mm. still getting it. I'm not saying they're not, mm-hmm. baby, but it was at the point when it was at a really high point. And my Asian best friend that lives in Berlin, I felt like I really needed to, you know, emphasize the fact, like, why do they hate us? Like, what's the point? You want all the culture. You want the food. You want the clothes. Mm-hmm. You want everything, but you don't want us. How does mm. that work? You know? And so you really need to just be able to cut off those people who do not support you, who do not bring you up, who in turn want to bring you down and always have something negative to say. So I learned to take that negativity, eat it up, spit it out, and move on. Mm. And I no longer, you can't pay me enough to give me a headache. You can't offer me enough to give me a headache. So if you are (laughs) stressing me out and causing me to doubt myself, you're removed. And we need to learn that. Mark has removed some people. I have. From his life. I have witnessed it. Even recently. Like very very recently. Baby. Because, you know, yes. we don't we don't need to be in environments where we feel like we need to beg for understanding. Yes. We deserve to be around yes. people who just get us. Yes. And the point of this podcast, you won't need to beg for understanding because you're already understood. Period. Okay, so we just spoke a lot about mm-hmm. finding your people and mm-hmm. how important it is to be in an environment with people who get you mm-hmm. and that uplift you mm-hmm. that love you for who you are mm-hmm. your tribe in essence it's like having that good group of people close to you that truly believe in you mm-hmm. and love on you no matter what and so that really sounds like something that you found overseas mm-hmm. when you were in Germany yeah. and a lot of those people I remember you had told me in the past that you had worked with them too. Mm-hmm. Like, and you had done a plethora of projects from yeah. styling for editorial shoots mm-hmm. to even bleeding into like video productions too. Mm-hmm. So what led you into styling? Like what about styling was something that just like pulled you in? I loved, so what I loved about fashion styling was the fact that I could be creative that I could create something that no one else has. It allowed me to be open-minded, to be individual, to not worry too much about, is this perfect? But especially as a stylist, you actually create the eye for detail. So like you nitpick everything, which can be good and bad. But I loved, I loved that creative outlet. I loved the results. The results were always like 
super exciting. It was always like, wow, I did that. Mm-hmm. Like, I did that. Hell yeah. I did that, motherfucker. I Hell did yeah. that, you know? Period. And that was, that was a great feeling. And just seeing the person who I was styling, how happy they were afterwards, mm. how confident they felt. And so I think from, side note, I always wanted to be a stylist growing up. I always wanted to be in fashion. But I was always told that I could never do it because you wouldn't make enough money. You won't make money. Like, you won't make enough money, you know, being in the fashion industry, so you should be a nurse. So that kind of crushed me. I'm like, oh, maybe they're right. I can't be, you know, in fashion. I can't be a stylist. And so let me go figure out something else. And I always found my way back to fashion in mm. some way. I always found my way back to putting together outfits, whether it was weird or, you know, different. I always found my way back to it. And if you feel like there is something, you know what your desire is. You know there's something is pulling you in that direction, but you keep ignoring it. If that, if you feel that pull, lean into that. Mm. Discover what that is because that could be your superpower. That could be the thing that will help you take off. And so what I found with fashion styling is like, even though I love the creative outlet and I'll still do it to this day. I'll still mm-hmm. do photo shoots to this day. I will dress Rihanna to this day. Also, if you know Rihanna, you know where the pointer. Period. You're saying. <laughs> even though I love that, I was missing. I'm like, okay, I want to do something that really has an impact. I want to work with everyday people. I want to work with people who are insecure, who are lost, who feel like that there is something greater that they are meant for. So Mm. right now, I, so my target market, the people that I work with are entrepreneurs, women of color, black women, Mm. especially. Mm. And my mission is to help audacious women achieve their style desires through either my program that I have called Stylish Badass Mm. or just one-to-one personal styling. And it's to help them gain the confidence to unapologetically show up as themselves, to take up space, to own the room. Mm. Because we deserve to have good style. You deserve Mm -hmm. to show up as your best self. You deserve to love every inch of yourself, have a great mindset, be confident Mm. about who you are. Because once you are confident, once you dress accordingly to Mm. who you are, you truly feel aligned with yourself and when you are aligned with yourself shit happens mm-hmm. shit happens and you would be amazed at just the results that I've experienced with clients that I work with so I love I love styling people I love just helping them change their mindset mm-hmm. about what they can wear and who they are because there are limitations in style like you you figure out like mm, I probably shouldn't wear that cut because it doesn't really align to you know it doesn't really accentuate you know parts of my body that I want to be accentuated but mm-hmm. when I say limited mindset is the fact that people think they can't wear certain things because of an influence or because someone told them mm-hmm. to it's always something in the back of our mind that that inner critic that's like you can't wear that but mm-hmm. it's like no you can wear that and bitch you can wear it better have you Mariana okay confidence has no competition Conf- mm. Let that sink in. Say that again. I don't think they heard you. I'm going to say it louder. Say it with your chest. I'm going to say it louder for everybody. All your chest. Confidence has no competition. None. <laughs> <laughs> None. Period. None. So that. for you, and what I love that you're talking about in terms of styling is that you're not just focused on like the outward appearance. You're not just mm-hmm. focused on how like a garment accentuates someone's like physical structure, you're also focused on the psychological aspects of Mm -hmm. it too. Because then that does bleed into confidence. That does Mm -hmm. bleed into mindset. Yeah. Because I I personally have found myself in positions where I would second guess or 
I would triple, triple guess myself. Triple. Because I'm thinking, is this too much? <laughs> Never ask or think that you are doing too much. People around you are not doing enough. Be the most, do the most. And if mm-hmm. someone has something to say about it, block them. Like, I don't mm-hmm. uh, know. I mean, it's like yes. if, if people think that we're too much, then, oh, well, I guess go ask or find less. Find, period. Moment of silence. They don't even deserve a moment of silence. They don't even deserve a moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Energy. Energy. Because <laughs> you are the moment. But. Period. Period. Yes. But yes. right now, you are having a moment. Oh. And so. <laughs> I am having a moment. I am. It's fine. It's fine. The moment, and together we are a movement. Oh, ooh. Mint. We are a moment Mint. and a movement, period. And I love that. Get you people who want to be in a movement, who want to, what's that word? Movement? Increase. It's like... In- oh, increase. Increase, yes. We don't We don't decrease for anyone. No. Mm-mm. We always grow. Always. No. Grow. Michelle, Michelle Obama said, Ooh. when they go low, we go high. High. But sometimes you might have to take a couple steps low, because some people... <laughs> <laughs> you might have to... Sometimes if people go low, you might have to go lower. Because these people try you. Listen, some things are situational that is acceptable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But don't, you know, go to jail. You know what I'm saying? Don't point them back to this podcast saying that I told you to, you know, kill them. Because I did. <laughs> but I'm just saying that they're a little, you know, shank. You know what I'm saying? Then, okay. <laughs> just kidding. We're not encouraging you to be murderers. Just no. murder people with your intelligence and yes. your outfit. Choose violence. Always. So, yes, just returning to the topic of, like, how you are also focused on how someone inwardly perceives Mm -hmm. themselves and taking into account how that affects how they present themselves outwardly Mm -hmm. into the world. Yeah. Have you, yourself, like, in in your journey of, because you had talked about how you would wear things that other people didn't agree on or just, just for yourself... Do you believe that that played an influence as to how you started to approach other people and help them realize their confidence? Yes. So I realized that I needed to be confident in myself before I can teach, coach other women to be confident in themselves. And I wasn't fully confident in myself until the summer of 2020. We all know 2020. How hell broke loose. The panorama. The panorama. Came around. Miss uh, Coriana, we don't like her. Miss <laughs> Coriana decided to make her appearance to stay longer than she was, you know, allowed to stay. And there was a point, This is, I was in Europe still, and there was a point where I went on vacation because, you know, they had a little window like, oh, you can travel now. So I was like, bet. So mm-hmm. I, you know, went to Portugal and went to Spain, and I took that time to really figure out who I was, what I wanted to do. And I remember, <laughs> I remember laying on the beach in Portugal being like, I'm fucking amazing. Period. Like, I, I'm i amazing. Mm. I can do this. Like, what mm. do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And I ran full force after that. And after that moment, I literally went to... I was staying in a hostel at that time. Because baby didn't have no money for no real hotel. But you know what I'm saying? But hostels were cheap, though. They were nice. Mm-hmm. I had a nice hostel. Don't, don't you ever... They got my settle for no no raggedy ass. Also, hostel. we're talking about hostels in Portugal. Exactly. Versus New York City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want a real hostel, go to Europe, not New York. Thank you. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> going back to my hostel. No one was there. No one was there. And I remember looking in the mirror <laughs> and mm. telling myself, you are beautiful. You mm. look good. 
You mm. are a badass. You are the shit. And whatever you put your mind to, baby, you will succeed. And from there, I my mindset changed. I mm. loved myself. I learned to love who I was. And I was like, every woman should feel this way. And mm. so I, instead of just being, you know, a regular personal stylist where I'm like, okay, you know, this is what you should wear for this event, you know, to look all pretty and stuff. It's like, I call myself mainly a style coach because mm. I teach you how to dress. I teach you how to shift your mindset and to really Dig into the past of what has prevented you from being confident in yourself and being yeah. confident in who you are and what you have to offer. And then we basically go through like a whole, there's a whole program. Mm -hmm. Each week we go through different parts of your life, different parts, you know, of my framework that I have because there's vision, there's confidence and action. Once you have the vision of who you want to be, how you want to be perceived, you're able to create this dream board, vision mm. board of who you are, of who your future self, you know. This dream board of, you know, who you want to be. Mm. And then we have confidence. Now, we're okay, we need to remind you that you are worthy of being this dream person. Mm. You are worthy of dressing audaciously. You are worthy of starting this business that you want to start. You're worthy of just all the great things that comes into being you. We work on your mindset. We work on your fears. And then we have action. You can't have a vision and expect that vision to come into fruition if you don't take action. Mm. And so in, you know, the last part of that program, we talk about taking action. And I push yeah. you to, you know, do challenges where, you know, you're dressing up all week and you're really evaluating how people perceive you. And literally on our way here, you know how many people were like, you guys look fabulous. And I was like, thank you. In my Prada sunglasses. Okay. Period. My, literally. my green fur coat and my coach bag. Like, look, period. Period. And then we have this. He was walking on his Fendi. Maybe got a Fendi. Fendi. Handmade Italian earrings, bitch. Period. When you <laughs> look good, people notice. When you look and feel good about yourself, people notice. Mm -hmm. Conversations happen. And I want those conversations to continue happening for women, black women, people of color. Yeah. And so that leads me into asking you, Marquez. Call my Marquez. name. Call her Marquez. <laughs> Don't you call her Marquez. It's going to have a problem. <laughs> As a... Diamond only. Diamond only. As a queer individual and entrepreneur and director in the workforce, how has that experience been for you? And just tell us about, you know, your struggles, what you've gone through, and how you've overcome, overcome that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how does it take a, Baby. take a breath for that one, y'all? <laughs> it has been a great learning and unlearning mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it has been a huge journey of confidence. It has been just learning more about who I am, too. It really mm -hmm. has been like a huge like personal journey. It's been, it hasn't been easy, but it's been really worth it to be on a journey to improving my mental well-being. And being in therapy has really been something that has made me so much more confident in just who I am as a human, just as a being. And being able to tap into my discomforts, mm -hmm. being able to tap into things that I did in the past and ways that I would have responded or moments of people-pleasing, moments of being quiet or mm -hmm. just, you know, ways to survive or to get by. 
learning that those were survival tactics that I had developed as a child because my journey, I mean, it started when I was a kid. You know, it's like I was exposed to a lot of things growing up because my parents were rather nomadic when I was a child. Mm -hmm. We moved around from the Midwest to all up and down the West Coast. Mm -hmm. My mom was a travel nurse, and that took us to lots of different places, different states. One place that we had lived the longest was the San Francisco Bay Area. And, I mean, it's the gayest capital, at least in America. (laughs) It really just was an opportunity to be exposed to so many different kinds of people and so many kinds of orientations and all different kinds of ethnicities and different kinds of food, different cultures, different mindsets, different ways that people approached their lives, and all kinds of creativity, all kinds of creativity from traditional to anything that was contemporary, anything that was 2D or something that was in motion, like performing arts. It was a time for me to really just absorb a lot of things and to be able to be inspired and be informed at the same time. Mm -hmm. And as a queer individual, being in corporate America, it hasn't been easy at all whatsoever. It really hasn't. And that is not something that I'm ever going to sit here and be like, oh, it's been an absolute grand time because Mm. it hasn't. It hasn't. What I will say, though, is I don't allow the negativity to hold me. I don't allow other people's thoughts or their opinions or their negativity to hold me down because Mm -hmm. I know how that feels Mm -hmm. to have someone else's thoughts hold me in place, to control me. And I refuse to let other people control me. Mm -hmm. I refuse to be a victim. Mm -hmm. I will not be a victim. Toni Morrison is a huge inspiration for me because she was someone who would say that she refused to be a victim Mm -hmm. to oppression. And that was very impressional for me when I was, you know, learning about activism, when I was learning about civil rights, when I was just learning about me. You know, I was tapping into making an effort Mm -hmm. to tap into things that school did not teach me to tap into resources and to provide myself access to resources that the educational system did not present to me in history class or Mm -hmm. in art class. Because we deserve that access. Because we do. Yeah. We do. That is access that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And for specific reasons, it's not really provided. Maybe in bits and pieces here and there or in specific African-American studies classes, you may be presented that kind of information. However, again, it's the tip of the iceberg. There is so much knowledge and there's so much wealth in that knowledge. Knowledge is power. It really is. And I feel like the more that we know, the more that we're responsible for. Mm -hmm. And that's liberating because the more that we know, the more that we can be more in control and responsible just for ourselves. Yeah. Our parents can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Really, they can only do so School mm-hmm. can only teach us so much. It's not going to teach us or prepare us for everything. There has to be a time where we have to choose that we are going to, you know, finish the work to raise ourselves. That was something that Kerry Washington had said was, you know, there's only so much our parents can do. And it's like at some point we have to make that choice mm-hmm. to finish raising ourselves. Mm-hmm. And 
again, that just places us in a position of yeah. power. And it's like, it's the negative thought is, oh my gosh, like I have to do all these things by myself or I yes. have to, you know, I have all this weight and, yes. you know, yeah. all of that. And it's like, it's a lot of work. It is not easy. It's not easy. And you don't want it to be easy because when it mm -hmm. is easy, you get comfortable. Mm -hmm. When it is easy, you're mm -hmm. not taking note of what you have. Yeah. When it is easy, you're not being challenged. You're not being pushed. You're not learning. You're stagnating. Mm -hmm. You are in a place where you're really not moving forward. You're just kind of staying somewhere. And an example that I have of, you know, just kind of like having developed a little bit of comfort was when I was working for an advertising company. And I was working remotely for this company here in Texas. They're based in New York. I was back and forth between them, like whenever they would have company events or things like that. I was their senior visual designer and I had led them through a rebrand. I had taken that rebrand and I had applied it to all of their visual communication materials. Like mm -hmm. anything that was a part of that design system, from sales materials to their client showcase app to their website, to any kind of print materials, like the, their design element system, templates, like all kinds of things that not just the creative team would use, but also that other teams would use from like account management to sellers to production, the higher ups themselves, the stakeholders themselves. Mm. You know, it's like it was a lot of, how should I say, interactive design mm -hmm. that I was doing. It's a lot of human-centered design that I was doing because these are things that people were going to take and they were going to use and build upon without me having to be there. It just came to a point where the amount of work was so overwhelming. However, I was being, you could say, compensated in a way that was higher to certain counterparts of mine mm -hmm. because they were a New York-based company. However, that wasn't something that ultimately was of value to me because as much as the opportunity was worth it to me because it really did build me up. I had an opportunity to own a lot of things mm -hmm. and also be very young and being able to be the say-so in their visual communication is huge. That's major. And this is a billion-dollar advertising company. This is an yeah. ad tech company. They're making money, and it was worth it. It was. I will say that it was worth it. Overall, there was more of a cost to me staying at that company than there was to me taking a leap of faith and letting myself fly towards something that would give me the growth that I was seeking. Yeah. So while I was collecting a paycheck and while I was doing a lot of work for this company, which looks good on a resume, it wasn't entirely fulfilling. It really wasn't. And... I value being fulfilled. We all should. Exactly. I value being able to love and to enjoy the things that I do for my nine to five. Because for me, at that point, it's like I'm more so getting to do it mm -hmm. than I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I did not have a job lined up afterwards. However, for me... I was willing to take that leap of faith and just see where I landed. Because the longer that I stayed in that position, mm -hmm. the longer that I just continued to allow myself to be in that environment where, yeah, I was doing all these things, 
but I'm being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I'm working not just one position, but I'm working multiple positions because they just, they did not have the capacity Mm -hmm. to bring on a full-blown creative team for me to be able to have at my side. The longer that I stayed in that, the longer I was denying myself an opportunity elsewhere. And honestly, it was a fear that I really Mm -hmm. needed to work over that like, I'm not going to fall back into a position of poverty. There is no evidence to support that narrative in which I have created inside of my mind. And as much as that is a valid fear, I needed to put in the work to identify what is the root cause of this fear. Mm -hmm. And that was something I had worked through in therapy, you know, was I directly was just like, I'm in this position and I know that I can do other things. It's just that I have this fear. So we worked through that fear and it really came down to that I was worried about falling back into a place of poverty mm. because that was something that I had yeah. a taste of as a child. And it was something that disturbed me and it was something that I carried with me. And once I was able to understand that, yes, this is a valid fear because this is a place that I was before as a kid. That is not something that is guaranteed that will happen to me. Because even if I had to take up another job, like in between, like waiting tables, or if I needed to mop floors or something, it's like I was willing and ready and prepared to do what I needed to do to keep myself where I was. I had just moved into a new apartment, Mm. a new environment, a new neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I was closer to the creative co-working space that I love, that I enjoyed, called Flock. Y'all look them up. They are fabulous, absolutely amazing. Like The group of people that are here really have become a part of my tribe because they love me and they accept me for who I am, and that is not something I was willing to lose. And I feel like having that mindset was something that continued to push me to keep putting in the work. Don't stop. Don't let something take you away from what you have because it doesn't have to take you away from what you have. There is a way. Instead of sitting around and being like, oh, I can't have it. I'm like, how can I continue to have what I want, what it Mm -hmm. is that I desire, what it is that I deserve? And so having taken that leap of faith, it really did open a lot of room and a lot of space for the opportunity that I have now. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that period. Phenomenal. Thank you. It's your magazine at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's just something where I really have enjoyed the work. I really have enjoyed the work. Like, it really is an environment. It really is a place that has afforded me so much opportunity since day one. I love that. It really has. And that's what we need in order for us to thrive. Like, I'm tired of seeing us take up these raggedy jobs that Mm -hmm. don't compensate us and we're just miserable. Mm -hmm. And even if they do pay us well, pay us way over six figures, we're still unhappy. It's like, at the end of the day, you're still unhappy. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Exactly. Just wasting your life for another company that can replace you in a snap of a finger. So it's kind of like, exactly. you might as well do something that you love. Money is a tool. Money is a tool that can help us have experiences. Money is a tool that can help us have fulfilling Mm -hmm. experiences. It can be something that can get us that apartment that we want to have or Mm -hmm. to get us that car or to get us those shoes or that dress. Or, you know, it can be something that's Mm -hmm. like, it helps us maintain therapy. It helps us have health care. 
which, I mean, access to healthcare is a shit show in this country. So yeah. my journey as a queer person of color has been well worth it because it's been teaching me a lot about mm-hmm. just who I am. Mm-hmm. And aside from teaching me about who I am, well, I guess it would be a part of it is just owning who I am and not being like, oh, I have to change myself in order mm-hmm. to fit in because that's the, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I refuse to change who I am to please someone else. Yes. You know, it's yes. like the people pleaser in me is more and more come into the realization that we don't have to live in that. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. We don't. You know, and it's like yeah. the people pleaser in me is not someone that I hate. The people mm-hmm. pleaser in me is not someone that I don't love. I do love them. I mean, they are they are someone who has helped me through so much. They're someone who's helped me get by in certain situations. And that's mm-hmm. all that they were doing. Yeah. That's all that they were doing yeah. is trying to protect me. That's all. And now it's like I've come to the realization that's like, babe, we don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You can rest. Yeah. Please come inside and please find rest mm-hmm. because you do not have to live in that anymore. So proud of you. Thank you. You've come so far and you're gonna do so many great things. I'm just yeah. I'm so excited for you. I just, Thank you. Oh I love you. I love you, Subo. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love all of that that you said and I love the fact that you have embraced the fact that even though going through this journey has not been the way that you envisioned it especially Mm -hmm. as a black queer person Mm -hmm. but it's something that you need to go through in order to be where you are exactly and what is for you will come for you exactly it was all happening for me happening for you it was not happening to me yeah it was all happening for you and right now you're in this amazing position Mm -hmm. that's gonna take you places that's gonna help you you know help your own magazine exactly you know, thrive and i am here for i'll be buying every copy period y'all period. will too come through come through come who knows you know you, you may be styling pages I, so who never know <laughs> never know you never know rihanna might want to you know feature your magazine you know actually we're, we're not going to say you, you may it's just at, at some point you are i will be it's not if it's when yes when okay yeah <laughs> yeah I'll be, I'll be, yeah yeah but yeah, so you saying that you were in this previous position that was, you know, affecting you mentally and you knew that you had to leave that reminds me of a previous position I was in. Mm. I was mm. a stylist for a major luxury company and it was an amazing experience because I was able to meet great, crazy good clients Okay, <laughs> that have bank. I have never seen people spend so much money on a shirt before on a freaking dress a ten thousand dollar dress ma'am what's your job who's your employer good for her just good for good for her good for her good for her Mm -hmm. and it was so great because i was able to you know learn more brands and be surrounded by high fashion and meet you know celebrities like rosario dawson and Mm -hmm. it was a great moment for me honestly and but the thing about this is that, yes, I could be, you know, creative in some ways. And yes, people would take my advice. And I was able to, you know, address these people. But at the end of the day, a lot of these clients were unhappy with themselves. <laughs> they mm. bought these expensive ass clothes to cover up the fact that they were still insecure, that they still were not satisfied with themselves, with their lives. And it's like, at the end of the day, you cover shit and glitter, it's still shit. So can't polish a turd. You can't polish a fucking turd. You just can't. You can't. 
And that is what I feel like that clients were doing. And on top of that, it was like it started being draining mentally, physically, financially, because I was working completely and only on commission. So that means if, if I made 100,000 sales in two weeks and I get a nice, you know, eight, nine K check, the next week people can bring all that back. Then that next check is $500, $700. And now I owe the company money because they have to pay me. Oh no, a company has to pay me for labor, you know? Who knew? Who knew? Who the fuck knew? And it became hard because it was like, regardless of how much work I put in, I felt like I wasn't getting compensated enough for it. Mm. Because people will buy things, but they will turn them. And then it's just kind of like, I'm going in this constant cycle of, look, I got bills, okay? Mm. These bills Mm -hmm. don't wait for nobody. They don't. They don't. They really don't. There's there's none. There's no waiting. There's Mm -mm. no like, oh, give you grace. There is no grace. Mm -mm. Okay? And it was getting really to the point where I was just digging myself deeper into debt, trying to survive. And... I really needed to let that job go. And so at some point I finally did. Mm. And I moved out of the city that I was in and moved to a different city with my man. <laughs> and it was a great transition for me because I was able to, you know, find my peace. It was to step back and be like, okay, what do I want this business to say? What do I want it mm. to who do I want it to serve? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I want it to be the mission and the purpose of it? And since I have taken that step back and, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to help people, um, who I wanted to serve, started getting clients. And I love it. So when you truly just step into what your your purpose is and take these risks, I'm a crackhead for risks, okay? I'm a crackhead. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and it is, it is so important to take those risks. As your rich podcast, Auntie, I am here to motivate you to take those risks and to fully step into that badass you that is there. So to end this podcast, Mm. our first pilot OG podcast that I got to do with my bestest, bestest friend, (laughs) Mark Baker Sanchez. That's his full name. Understand it. Learn it. Love it. What? Word of advice would you give for someone who is black, person of color, who's queer? What advice would you give them to, just what advice would you give them in order to really just understand who they are, to really step into, you know, their talents and their skills? What advice would you give them to who's afraid, you know, of pursuing that person they've always dreamed of being? Yeah. Let go of perfection. Oof. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Let it go. And the reason why is because perfection puts us into a bond. I mean, when you are so focused on the end result of something, you lose sight of the process. The process is where you get to just have fun and you get to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Fuck up. Fuck up. Let yourself yourself make mistakes. Mistakes. Be Issa, best friends with mistakes. Yes. Issa yeah. Rae said that. She did. Issa Rae she said did. that. She did. She did. That's crazy. She did. She did. She yeah. said that she herself yeah. was friends yeah. with making mistakes. There is so much value in that because you learn. It's not a failure unless you make it a failure. Mm-hmm. It's really information. Yeah. Yep. It really is information. Yeah. And it teaches you. Mm-hmm. It shows you. It's a valuable lesson that allows you to learn, okay, here is what didn't go well. Why? 
And here, here are some things mm-hmm. that I can think about mm-hmm. and then take action on so that the next time it will be an improvement. Let yourself continue to test trial. And I feel like perfection isn't just something it's like that we're doing for a job or mm-hmm. like it's an art piece that we're working on or, you know, a design or, you know, a styling gig or whatever. It's like it could just be us too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't do your workout because you're worried about looking like some influencer or someone else that you see on an Instagram. Better not be. Or that you've don't seen that. On, on, on TikTok. It's like mm-hmm. you are focused on someone else. Mm-hmm. Quit looking at someone else. Comparison. Quit comparing yourself yeah. to Comparison other people. Comparison steals joy. And I don't think yeah. that there's a problem with looking at someone and being like, wow, I am really interested in having what they have. Like, yeah. ha- like looking, yeah. at, looking at what they have and be like, wow, yeah. I want that too. Use it as inspiration. Yes, use yeah. it as, as inspiration. And you know mm-hmm. what? Some of those people share information. They do. On how they got to where they were. Yeah. Like Rachel Rogers. Like Rachel Rogers. Oh my God. And then at that point, it's like, you're not worried about having to look like someone else mm-hmm. or act like someone else or mm-hmm. be like someone else. You know, it's like you release yourself of those expectations and now you are opening room for play. But if mm-hmm. you're trying to be perfect, you don't have room mm-hmm. for play. You have mm-hmm. confined yourself. You've restricted yourself. You have enslaved mm-hmm. yourself to something that you do not have to have. Let that go. Let go of the perfection so mm-hmm. that you can start to explore more, so that you can mm-hmm. start to allow yourself to try things that maybe that you thought were uncomfortable or mm-hmm. that made you uncomfortable. It's like, I would never wear that color. Why? Why? And what's holding you back from test trialing it? What's holding you back from trying it out? Because that idea of perfection or that idea mm-hmm. of like what other people think mm-hmm. is holding you back. And perfection is something where it's like we are always thinking about what someone else mm. is going to think or how someone else is going to respond. And honestly, a lot of that is ourselves mm. telling ourselves negative mm-hmm. things. It's like we're worried about like our own negative thoughts mm-hmm. and that that gets in the way. Perfection is it's a disease. Yeah. And it is something that is passed down. From generation to generation, it causes generational trauma with all kinds of people mm-hmm. from every background and every yeah. continent, everywhere. It, yeah. it Perfection is an oppressor. Yeah. It really is yeah. an oppressor. I, I've had to learn that, too. Mm-hmm. Your girl is, she has another business. She mm-hmm. is the CEO of a Perfection LLC. I had to break out of that. And I am working on it every day because I I am still a perfectionist. That is my Mm -hmm. weakness. I'm a perfectionist. But I have learned that you are trying to be perfect in everything. You're not going to make progress. Mm -hmm. You're going to be stuck. And as black people, as people of color, as marginalized people, we have got to stop being stuck. We don't have time to be stuck anymore. Exactly. It's time for us to show up, show out, wear Mm -hmm. the big-ass sun hat, take up space. Wear the big glasses. Wear the big... When in doubt, wear the big glasses. What did your friend call the glasses? You need a, a, a visible barrier. A visible barrier. You need mm-hmm. you need a visible barrier. Then go for the glasses. Quoting Nico. <laughs> Prada, Dolce Gabbana, Gucci, Fendi. Fendi. <laughs> and you know it may it may sound contradictory. I do also find that there is value in 
embracing Mm -hmm. the perfectionist within us. Yes. Because I feel like for those at least who are, who really just, we care, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times the perfection can come from a place of that we really care. Yes. It can trigger the caretaker that is within us. Yeah. And, or the overachiever or not, not the overachiever. I would say just like the person who's willing to go the extra mile. Yeah. And just someone who like really cares about their clients so much mm-hmm. and the people that they serve so much that they want it to be great. They want it exactly. to change your life. And so I've realized too that there is a positive in being a perfectionist. It just means that you take extra care mm-hmm. in whatever service or product that you create, that you you know sell, take extra care and mm-hmm. people will see that and they're like, yes, I want mm-hmm. to invest in that. I want that and I want to invest in them so they can continue doing this work for people and change right. the fucking world. And I believe that we're yeah. the worst the work can start is to mm-hmm. just have the realization that not everything is going to be of that level. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's okay. Not everything needs to be or yeah. will be award-winning work. Yeah. But also, let's just get serious that awards are subjective. They are subjective. Child. So it's like... That's another yeah, podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, you know, <laughs> an award may be given to something, but that doesn't mean... That, like, it's universally seen as great. Mm-hmm. And that's all right. That just means it's not for everybody, which mm-hmm. is how I think it ought to be. Everyone has different tastes. And so it's like, not everything that you do, everyone is going to like. Right. But how great is that? Because then you learn, like, okay, who is my audience? Or it's like, not everyone's going to like you either. So it's like, okay, who is my tribe? Who are the people that get me, that mm-hmm. understand me? Instead of being like, oh, I need to be this, or I need to be that, or I need to change this, I need to alter that to fit in with all these other people. It's mm-hmm. like, that's that's just going to overwhelm you, and you're just, you're abandoning yourself. Yeah. It's like, how can people genuinely vibe with you if you don't know yourself or if you can't really even vibe with yourself? Because you're so worried about Ooh. living in a persona mm-hmm. for other people. Yeah. Or living in a persona that, say, your parents had created for you, mm-hmm. or that your friend group has created for you and now you feel restricted. You're in that box to have to live up to those quote-unquote expectations that Mm -hmm. you didn't make or that you didn't ask for. However, it's like you have the power and the ability to say enough because, again, perfection is an oppressor and we do not have to live in oppression. We're done with that. We're done. Yeah. Fully. Like your magazine. Period. Plug. Exactly. Perfection is a social construct. I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Baker Sanchez for being a part of my first episode of my podcast, Talk Your Shit, because we will be talking a lot of shit in this podcast, podcast. We'll be talking a lot of shit. And it's talking your shit will never end. Never. Never. And it was my honor. Thank you for listening to Talk Your Shit Podcast. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at queen underscore of diamonds. Let me know what you thought of today's episode by leaving a review and tagging me on social media. Stay audacious and I'll catch you in the next episode.